0: Tell that person blessed 23rd anniversary. Yes. It's our church anniversary today. Truly, the Lord is faithful; He has sustained us, and uh, we have some program uh, in store for us. Before we proceed, we would just like like to announce that um, please get a bulletin and look at our uh, events that will be happening this month. Um, all is listed here, so please do refer at our. Events that's happening this month, February and the, the following month, March. Uh, right now, we're going to watch a s- simple short video, a summary of 2019. And, and let's see what's happened. You know, the Lord is so good in our life in 2019. Amen? Amen? You know, how the Lord worked and, and how the Lord sustained us and provided to us. So let's just watch some of the highlights of the things that happened last year. At the same time, uh, be reminded of our team for this year 2020 so let's just watch this video The Lord. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. <clears throat> the Lord is faithful in 2019, and I'm excited for this coming year as we start right and even finish well. This, not just this year, but until the Lord return. Right now, we're going to call our acers to perform a simple dance number.
1: this together let us ace the race for Jesus Christ
0: Dr. Simon Chan was formerly Ernest Lau professor of systematic theology at Trinity Theological College until 2016. And he continued to serve as part-time lecturer until 2018. And he have written a number of books, and some of them is in publication. One is the Spiritual Theology, a Systematic Study of Christian Life. One is another is a liturgical theology, the church as a worshiping community and pentecostal theology and christian spiritual tradition he is currently the editor of asian journal of theology and continues to conduct spiritual retreats to lay for lay leaders at trinity theology college when i was praying on to whom we should invite for our church anniversary i was pondering to who one. Uh, I prayed and I said, what is the criteria we, to, we, should, we should invite? Should I invite someone that, who is bombastic, loud, or someone simple but with content? And said, I, I would rather choose content. And also, he have run the race, our team starting right and finishing well. He'd been uh, ministering for many, many years now, and he seen many things. And lastly, one criteria that I, I, I always, very important, is that he loves Filipino. He, i just now i'm chatting with him he said he loved crispy pata so you know um how to tempt him the same thing He is married to a filipino so last year remember the oh, that is his wife so now let's welcome dr simon chan
2: It's a great pleasure for me to be invited for this very special occasion, and I wish the church well uh, in uh, celebrating this anniversary, and I hope that the church will continue to minister to the, particularly to the Filipino community. You are doing a great job, and I hope and pray that you will continue to minister well. Praise the Lord. Um. This morning, I'd like to draw your attention to um, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. I've entitled this message, The Balanced Church. Let us look at the passage, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily Those who were being saved Let us look to the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father send forth your Holy Spirit that we may be illumined in our hearts and minds to receive your holy word. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Since your theme for the year is starting right and ending well, and since this is the beginning of the year, I thought that I should speak on something about starting right. And what better way to start right than to consider how we could become the right kind of church that will bring glory to God by the way we relate to God and to people. What kind of church should we be if we are to start right? I suggest that if we look at the picture of the church at the end of Acts chapter 2, the passage that we have just read, we have a vision of a church that got certain things right. It was a church that did not go into one extreme or another, but sought to maintain a fine and intricate balance. If we compare what we see in Acts 2 with what we see in our churches today, we can begin to see how far short we have fallen. In fact, we don't have to go very far, we don't have to be very smart to realise how imperfect our modern church is compared with what we see in this portion of the scripture. Many people who go to church Complain about why the church is so flawed, so imperfect And of course some don't even want to go to church because It's so imperfect A common complaint is the church is even worse than a business corporation People in my workplace are better than members of the church Of course That is to be expected. Businesses have strict hiring policies. They try to select the best people for the job. That is why you meet nice people at the workplace. If they don't perform, the company will fire them and hire new ones. This is why a business has generally better people than the church the church by contrast is a place where we welcome everybody and anybody we don't select who to come to church it is a place for those with hang-ups and hangovers the neurotics and psychotics the rich and the poor the church is not a company or a club which has certain entrance criteria we are in the business of welcoming all and sundry believing that god wants to do something for people who are broken and god wants to do something for their lives remember the old gospel song well if you are about my age or near my age you will remember this old gospel song that says whosoever will may come. Well, this is why the church is imperfect. The whosoever includes some of the worst people imaginable in our world. But the church, true to its promise, welcomes them still. So let us not be too harsh on ourselves because of our inadequacies and our imperfections. Even the New Testament church is not perfect. You know, a lot of us tend to romanticize about the New Testament church and think it's such a wonderful, perfect church. All you need is just to go two chapters down to Acts chapter 6 and you'll see a bunch of complainers. Yeah, Yes, the New Testament church is not perfect but what we can see in this passage I've read to you is that it is a balanced church. We too may not be perfect, far from it, but we can become a balanced church characterized by moderation and sensitivity. In this passage, I see four characteristics of the church that show their center, their balance. The first thing is that the church was characterized by balanced learning. We read in verse forty-two: the early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were keen to learn the truth from the apostles. They were not what we might call anti-intellectual. At the same time, they were not so caught up with scholarship that they forgot to exercise their spiritual gifts. We read in the next verse, many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Thus, we have here a church that was full of the gifts of the Spirit, And yet keen learners of the truth. Charisms and learning went hand in hand. Now this is not a common combination today. Some churches today are learned but lack spiritual vitality. Others are just a lot of froth and noise without much learning. If we want to start right, and as we want to start right, we can start to aspire to be a church where truth comes alive, where heart and mind are not in conflict, but well integrated, where we expound the scriptures rigorously and exercise spiritual gifts fervently that's the balanced church balanced in their learning the second characteristic of this church is that it was balanced in its fellowship their fellowship was not just having a wonderful cozy time together over coffee after church It was expressed concretely in acts of generosity, sharing of material goods and giving to all who had needs. It's easy, of course, to have nice time of sharing over coffee after church. Perhaps not so easy to share with others by parting with our money. Harder still it is To share one bathroom with five others in the same home. There are all different degrees of sharing. Some are more difficult than others. But even in their sharing with others, there's a balance here. You'll notice that the early Christians' fellowship was not a pure communitarian kind of fellowship in which everybody gave up everything and put everything together in a common pool. This is the way some people interpreted verse 44 to mean that they had everything in common. But apparently, it is quite clear that they did not sell off everything that they had. Certainly, some sold their homes, as we read of later on, but there were others who continued to retain what they had. If there were no homes, they would would not have had the opportunity to break bread from house to house, as we read of in verse 46. You see, they had enough sense to keep some things while helping others in need. The church struck a fine balance between learning to part with some things and learning to retain some things. Now, not everybody is called to give until they are broke. Uh, they gave, yet something was retained. They shared generously, but not mindlessly, uh, but thoughtfully. So beware of some of these prosperity teachers or preachers that come around and tell you, you must give until you are broke. Yeah? Maybe there are some people who are called to a life of voluntary poverty. But it must be voluntary, not being pressured to give up everything. For most of us, what we need is to learn to be generous. But at the same time, to learn to give sensibly as well. And that's what we see here a church that is balanced in its fellowship, expressed in a very concrete and sensible way. The third characteristic of this church is that it expresses its balance in its worship. We read in verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes. It's interesting to note that these Jewish Christians did not forsake temple worship. They continued to observe the daily hours of prayer that we read about in the next chapter, where where Peter and John went to the temple to pray at the third hour of the day. They continued to observe temple worship. Yeah. they were not people like some people today who said, well, we have got a new experience of God. Pentecost has come to us. We have, you know, the spirit other people don't have. Let's separate. Let's go our own way. Yeah. Sometimes you have... You know people behaving like that but not with our christians that we read of here they had just experienced the pentecostal experience but that did not stop them from continuing faithfully in temple worship if we are to describe their worship in contemporary terms we could say that their worship was both formal and informal Contemporary and traditional. Liturgical and non-liturgical. Notice, they continued to worship in the temple and also broke bread from house to house. There was this observance of an informal kind of worship from house to house, observing here referring to the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. The Lord's Supper was a solemn observance. For we we read in connection with their devotion to the breaking of bread that in verse 43 that they were filled with awe. And yet we read that they ate their bread with glad and sincere hearts in verse 46 you see in the early church the breaking of bread would be accompanied by a feast called the agape feast the love feast so there was both a sense of reverence in that informal gathering in the breaking of bread from house to house and at the same time uh, a sense of joy eating with gladness of heart it was an occasion for solemnity and yet there was joyful celebration. Their worship did not have um, the frivolous joy of, you know, uh, that characterizes some modern so-called contemporary worship. Neither was it a kind of stern and austere worship that we see in some so-called liturgical worship today? their worship could be described as joyful solemnity or a serious joy. Are we able to maintain the same balance in our worship? This is a question that should challenge many of our modern churches. We seem to swing from one extreme to another, don't we? Uh, There are are many traditional churches uh, who have abandoned their traditional forms to go contemporary, and they forget about their own heritage. Uh, Or there are others who just go the opposite extreme. But we find in the early church a worship that's characterized by this perfect balance Yes, there was joy, but there was solemnity. There was celebration, but it was also a reverent celebration. That's a kind of perfect balance in their worship that should teach us something that I believe we all should aspire to. Finally, this church was characterized by balance in their mission it was a church in which we read in verse 47 the second part of verse 47 in which the lord added to the number daily those who were being saved this clause the lord added to the number daily those who were being saved reveals three characteristics in their mission first Their mission was Christ-centered. It was Christological, if we may use a big theological word. Mission was essentially the Lord's doing, the Lord added. Of course, the Lord used the people, but it was people who were filled with the Spirit, whose very lives and actions were attractive to the people. So that we read further, they enjoyed the favour of all people. Here was a church that witnessed by their lives, not just by their words. And it was the Lord who was the driving force in their mission. The Lord added the second characteristic of their mission was that it was corporate individuals were saved but they were beings they were saved by being added to the church people were not saved just as isolated individuals but they were brought into the church and this is why you find in the new testament the close link between repentance and baptism. Remember Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized. We fail to understand the significance of it until we begin to explore the, the, the meaning behind baptism, which I think many people in our modern church fail to appreciate you ask a typical modern Christian, what does baptism mean for you? And for most people, they would, they would say something like, it means that my sins are forgiven, that God has given me a new life, uh, that I'm buried with Christ, I'm alive in Him. You see, They think of baptism essentially as their own personal salvation. They fail to realize that the biblical idea of baptism is much more than that. It has to do with being incorporated into the body of Christ. It is the Spirit of God who baptized us or incorporated us into the body of Christ through baptism. The corporate dimension of baptism is often missing in our modern church practice when we evangelize. Most modern Christians, as I've said, tend to see uh, uh, baptism only in terms of their personal salvation and lack a sense of corporate identity. In actuality, when we are baptized into uh, into Christ, we have become a member of Christ's body. We become not just an isolated individual, but we become a member responsible to others and for others. That's what being a Christian means. And so, the early believers understood this in their mission. People were being saved, but they were added to the church. The third characteristic of their mission is that their mission was continuous rather than sporadic. We read that they were being saved. Yeah. The, word, the, the, the phrase being saved means that it was a continuing thing. It was not just an, a one-off event. Mission was an ongoing affair not something that depended on special crusades conducted by special traveling evangelists and uh, 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 on special occasions. No. It was something that was ongoing. Why? Because the life of each believer was a life that bore witness to the truth of the gospel. Everywhere they went, they were witnessing by their word, and by their life. Mission is something that we also need to understand in terms of a continuing act in our present day as well. It's not just about evangelistic crusades and special events. It's something that each one of us should be responsible for. Each one of us should be witnessing by word and by deed. And if we are constantly doing that, our church will indeed be an ongoing missionary church, constantly reaching out to people. In fact, I don't think we need special events for evangelism or such like. You'll find that in the... In the New Testament, they did not organize special events or big crusades. If there were big gatherings, it was because the Lord somehow brought people together. You see? Uh, they did not go out to, you know, uh, do a special evangelistic campaign like what many churches do today. Because the whole church is a witnessing missionary community. Constantly. Doing the work of mission in their respective vocations in their respective ways If we take this phrase they were being saved to refer to the person the individual Then it means that the early Christians did not teach what is sometimes called a one-time crisis conversion experience as you find in you know, modern evangelical circles. Rather, the early church understood salvation as something progressive, something that's ongoing in the life of the believer. There may be a point in time when we commit our lives to the Lord, yes, a point in time where we submit ourselves to baptism and are incorporated into the church, but that is not the end. The Christian life continues to grow. Salvation is a continuing thing. God continues to work His saving grace in our lives in order to bring us to Christ likeness. The reason why we say this is because in the New Testament, the word salvation or being saved occurs in three tenses past, present, and future. It's not just a particular event at a particular point in time. It's an ongoing thing. Yeah. So you see, we have a church that is balanced in its missionary endeavor as well. Well, the churches that we are familiar with are perhaps a far cry from the balanced church that we see in this passage. And so, what do we do? First, I would say, let us not be too discouraged. Despite its shortcomings, let us not stop loving the church. Let us continue to be loyal to her. Paul uses the analogy of the husband and wife relationship in Ephesians chapter 5 to show us the relationship of Christ to his church. In spite of the church's present deficiency, We read that Christ continues to love her, to care and nourish her. Could we do any less in our local church? Could we claim to love Christ and not love His church at the same time? I don't think so. If we say that we love Christ, we ought to love that entity that will one day be the bride of Christ. You can't love that person and say, I hate his wife. (laughs) Uh. No. If we love Christ, we ought to love the church, despite its shortcomings. But somebody might say, oh, I love Christ's church, but it's the whole church, the universal church, It's a local church I can't stand. Such and such a church. My response is, it's self-delusion to talk about loving a mass of people and not individual human beings inhabiting a local situation, a local church. It's easy to talk about loving a mass of faceless humanity. Oh, the poor heathen in the world out there. Oh, we got to love them and all that. But not to love the specific persons that we meet regularly in church. You cannot really love the church universal if you don't have the specific people or love the specific people that make up the local church or someone else might say oh yes i love my church is those individual christians that i can't stand my response is it's precisely those individuals that you cannot stand who are a part of the church of jesus christ as much as we, the nice people, make up the church. Or at least we like to think that we are the nice ones. <laughs> yeah. No. The church is made up of people of all kinds. The whosoever will. Yeah? that's a gospel we proclaim. And then, you get all kinds of people receiving that message and you know, responding to that whosoever will message. And now we can't stand them. God wants us to welcome all. It's all such people of every sort that make up the church of Jesus Christ. Yes, the church, as I've said, is not perfect, but it can be balanced. And perhaps this vision of the balanced church should cause us to take concrete steps to love and care for Christ's church rather than to forsake her, to go somewhere else, which we think would be a better church. It won't be better for long when you get there. There's a saying that was attributed to Augustine, uh, which says, the church may be a whore. Now, that's, that's not a very nice term to describe the church. But he says, the church may be a whore, but she is still our mother. I think that should be our attitude. Yes, despite all the imperfections, she is still our mother, our nursing mother who nourishes us. And therefore, we continue to be faithful, to serve, to do whatever we can to be not so much the perfect church, but the kind of balanced church that God would have us to be. So as we begin the new year, let us start right by seeking to be not so much the perfect church, but the balanced church that God wants us to be. I believe that's a realistic goal that we can all aspire to. And each one of us has a part to play in making Living Word Fellowship the balanced church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you send your Son to be the Savior of the world because you love its people and united them in the body of your Son, the Church. As members of your Church, help us to seek to be a balanced Church by being a loving Church. We ask this Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
0: Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. reminders to all of us today as we celebrate our 30th anniversary to be a balanced church amen let's just hold each other's hand and as we pray Lord we thank you for this timely message that you have given to us through Pastor, dr. Simon not to aim to be a perfect church but to be a balanced church Balance in learning, in our knowledge, but in, even in our actions, Lord. Balance in our fellowship, in our prayer, Lord, that the church grow. Lord, we pray that there will be depth in our fellowship, in our relationship, in our care group, in our ministry, in the, all across, Lord, in this church. At the same time, Lord, we pray that will be a balance in our worship embracing our tradition and of course lord also being contemporary we thank you lord for your calling us to be missionary i pray lord that we will not lose sight of that to be evangelistic and missional in our lives oh lord so we thank you lord for calling us to be a balanced church thank you god and even lord pour out your love into each one of us like what jesus prayed in john 17. our prayer now desire, lord that we will be one pour out your love so that as we love one another people will know that we belong to you so we thank you lord we give you glory we give you honor in jesus name we pray amen amen let's give the lord a clap of praise you may be seated
1: Happy 23rd anniversary to all of us. At every anniversary, we actually take time to appreciate those who have been members of this church for 10 years, for at least 10 years. And due to the limitation of our time and resources, we are able to give plaques of appreciation in multiples of 5, 10, 15, and 20 years. So at this anniversary we are recognizing those who have been with us for 10 15 and 20 years and then for some who ask how we calculate this number of years we actually started counting when we became a sovereign church in 1997 and that is actually what we are celebrating and also when we Received your membership form and we process that membership form Then the number of years that you are with living word begins So it's not it doesn't start from the time that you started attending, but when you uh, Express your desire to be part of this uh, body of believers by filling out that membership form and submitting it to us so today we want to thank those who have come alongside us in knowing god loving him serving him together for the past 10 15 and 20 years we uh, are just uh, sorry that we have those who are not able to be here today so for 10 years of membership we appreciate and recognize the following. Raquel C. Bagdayan. Emilia C. Bitong. Delia G. Cabuag. So I'm just calling those who are with us today, but those who celebrate 10 years with us are flashed on the projection. Josephine T. Duatin. Rulin N. Gabuyo. Maricel E. Gagarin Edna N. Montes Zenaida V. Ricanor Arlene S. Sakamai And for 15 years of membership, we appreciate and recognize the following. Roman and Hannah Duroy. (laughs) Brother Roman is uh, overseas for an assignment. Avenir B. Gallega, (laughs) a.k.a. Bong. Mary Beth C. McNay. <laughs> Nanai Norma B. Oralio Lidia A. Mansanadis and Evelyn V. Torres For 20 years of membership, we appreciate and recognize the following Salve (laughs) Piquidem Nasa Nasi Sister Salve. (laughs) (laughs) So for twenty years we have Salve Piquidem. Josie M. Serenas
0: Also, for 15 years, we will also like to recognize Pastor Jerome and Pastor Zaglos for being with us in the Living Word Fellowship.
3: Also would like to recognize and appreciate uh, one brother who served with us for many years on the board uh, About uh, six years ago, we uh, decided to um, follow the uh, follow the um, succession the, not only trend but demand of uh, the churches in Singapore and so we were praying that uh, the Lord would uh, not only provide someone to help us in ministry and at the same time uh, he was also praying for this and so we received the resignation of Brother Ray Dandan to uh, be re-elected as chairman of the board or uh, another uh, two years. And so at this time, we would like to recognize his long service of about six years as part of the board. And so let's uh, call on Brother Ray Dandan to also receive his uh, appreciation as chairman of the board. Uh, in recognition of faithful service to God as honorary chairman of the board of the Living Word Fellowship, we'd like to recognize your service from 2014 to 2020 and we'd like to give you this on this day of february 2020 as we celebrate our 23rd anniversary thank you